Growing up near Cedar Falls, Iowa, Jay Allen developed a deep passion for music, influenced by his father's rock concerts and his mother's heartfelt country tunes, along with long car rides. Now, after moving to Nashville in 2013, Jay's dedication to country music led him to sign a publishing deal in 2014 and secure an artist deal two years later. Now, while Jay's career was already climbing, climbing upward, it was his 2018 hit single, Blank Stairs, that propelled him into the national spotlight. A powerful tribute to his mother who battled early onset Alzheimer's disease, and the video became a viral sensation with over 500 million views on Facebook. Now, his commitment to raising awareness for the Alzheimer's Association has been unwavering, and the song has gone on to raise over $100 million to help fight the disease. Then it was Jay Allen's appearance on season 22 of The Voice that showcased his exceptional talent, earning chair turns from both Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani. This pivotal moment further propelled his career and solidified his position as a rising star in the music industry. With new hit singles out right now, let's welcome country recording artist and an advocate for Alzheimer's disease, the voice himself, Jay Allen, to the show. Welcome, Jay. Thanks, Dr. Ward. Appreciate y'all having me today. Oh, absolutely. How old were you when you got interested in music? Oh, man, how much time we got today? <laughs> <laughs> um, very, very long story short, um, I grew up in a little town in Iowa. My dad owned a restaurant. His name was Joe. Thus, he called it Joe's Country Grill. It's like a little country cafe. And um, there was actually a couple that would come in every morning and and would invite my parents to church. And um, eventually they started working on me and uh, they started picking me up and taking me to Sunday school when I was four years old. And um, one morning we're in this big Baptist church. We always had to sit in the front row in the front pew. And apparently I was singing obnoxiously. And um, Ron, uh, the guy, he looked down, he patted me on the head. And he said, oh, Jay, you can sing. I'm going to put you up in front of everyone tomorrow morning or Sunday morning. And uh, he did. I was terrified, um, but that was my first experience seeing people respond to my voice. And um, it kind of just stuck with me whether they were just obliging me because I was a little kid or not. Um, and it impacted my young life. And um, I ended up going on to be a music director at a mega church in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, I did the Christian artist thing. And um, again, long story short, I ended up in Nashville 10 years ago. I moved there with uh, a suitcase and a guitar to my name and didn't know anyone. There was an older couple that lived right outside of Nashville. Um, a pastor friend of mine had introduced us. They had never met me, only heard about me. And they had an in-law suite in the back of their house. And they let me stay there for free uh, for the first three months uh, in Nashville. It was the only way I was allowed to get on my feet. I would literally write a check for rent and put it in their kitchen uh, once a month at the top of the month. And, and they would rip it up and put it back in my kitchen. And, um, I call them my angels. I, I'm not sure I could have, uh, you know, got, you know, my feet on solid ground in Nashville without that moment. So uh, following that, it just, you know, anything, you know, any industry, it's all about creating relationships and making friends and finding your circle and your champions. And, and so I did that, you know, and worked my butt off. And before I know it, I got a publishing deal and that turned into a management deal and eventually led to me, um, you know, writing a song for my mother, and that's a whole nother story, but my mother got sick with what's called early onset Alzheimer's. It took her life in two years and nine months and uh, wrecked my world, but I wrote a song about it out of heartbreak and out of therapy for myself or no one else. 
And uh, it's just the way I believe God works, you know. Uh, I won't preach, but I will share my faith. I believe God has a plan for all of us if we so desire to follow it. And um, His plan for me was to write that song and to help others. And um, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death in America, and I get to talk about it every day, and I get to share that song. It's done a lot of good. Like you said, it's, we've helped raise over $100 bucks, and we've had a really good last year. I partnered with the National Alzheimer's Association a long time ago, and uh we're doing a good. We're doing a lot of good, and we're making moves now. So we have treatments available, and um, you know. Then I got a phone call from the Voice. <laughs> so, um, really, um, to be completely honest, you know, they called me a couple years in a row, and I politely declined until last year. And I thought, you know, it kind of hit me. I think timing is impeccable, and uh, I thought, you know what? What better way to put more eyes and ears on this fight against this disease that stole my mother's life than to go on NBC's The Voice? and be in front of millions of people. So I finally said yes, uh, worked with the producers and they let me share the song Blank Stairs and talk about my mother's story. And uh, I, uh, Blank Stairs, that song went number one on iTunes. I come back home and I got a call from the head of a record label and he offered me a record deal. And uh, some really cool news. Um, we just found out we're gonna take another song that I wrote called No Present Like The Time. I actually wrote it while I was on The Voice filming the show. We released it um, last year, and uh, we just found out the label is going to take it to country radio next month. So I think this is one of the first times I've shared that. Um, but it's kind of just a full circle moment for me where it never was about me trying to get famous. It started out of heartbreak and me trying to use uh, my pain and my story of loss to help others and do good. So I believe we're doing that now, so I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I mean, now you mentioned, because your mother had early onset Alzheimer's. Um, isn't that highly unusual that uh, she passed just a little more than two years later? It is very unusual. It, you know, it's very rare. That's why they call it early onset, you know, because she was so young. Um, looking back now, I, you know, I wish we would have caught it sooner because, you know, we believe she was showing signs of dementia in her 40s, you know, um, and now we have treatments available where if you get tested, and diagnosed soon enough, you can basically stall stall um, the onset. Um, I wish we had would have had that back then, but we didn't. But um, yeah, it is rare, and it progressed quickly for her. And uh, you know, I had to make that terrible call to put her in a care facility center, and and you know, pay for that and all those hard things. And you know, I think that was kind of the end for her. She kind of threw in the towel and knew, you know, you know, we're about done. And so she lasts about six weeks in the care facility center. Um, so it went very quickly for us, but you know, like grass is always greener. You know, I, I get to hear everyone's stories and I will be the last person in line at the merch booth and people will lay their, strangers will lay their head on my shoulders and cry and tell me their stories. And the ones I feel like that hurt the most are when it takes them over a slower period of time. You know, some people say, you know, we suffered for 10 years before she got to go home to heaven or whatever their story is. And for us, I'm, I'm kind of glad it, it it went quickly, um, but yes, to answer your question, it is pretty yeah, rare. Yeah, I mean, and and I haven't heard a case that went so quickly before. And my grandmother uh, passed away from Alzheimer's, and hers was, you know, that long lingering journey. And um, of course, she was a lot older. But you know, Alzheimer's is not only devastating to the one that has it. It, it's very devastating and becomes a hardship for a lot of the families because they end up being 
caregivers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yes, that has become a big part of my passion and my heart is to, you know, to, to shine light on caregivers. Um, you know, and caregivers don't really want light shined on them, and that's why they are caregivers, because they have that humble character, that selfless mindset where there's no other option. You know, my loved one is, you know, basically dying slowly. I'm going to have to take care of them. Um, so we were actually part of a film called Unconditional. Uh, my friend Richard Liu works for uh, MSNBC. He reached out when he heard my story, and he shared that um, his dad had passed away from Alzheimer's. And while he was, you know, a face on this, you know, huge network, um, he also had to be his dad's full-time caregiver. So he would work in New York City on the weekends and then fly back to San Francisco to take care of his dad during the week. And he did that for like three years. He filmed the whole thing. He documented it along with two other stories of two other caregivers and their families. And they made this beautiful film called Unconditional. And then he uh, so kindly reached out to me and asked if I would write a song for this film. And uh, I actually woke up in the middle of the night and I realized I'd, I had already written this song uh, called Break From Broken. And um, we got this crazy phone call where First Lady Biden invited us to come to the White House. And uh, we got to preview the movie for the first time in the president's private movie theater. And um, I'm sitting in the second row in, the, in this movie theater and I realized there's a young boy next to me with his dad. And at the very end of the film, they announced that one of the caregiver's wives, um, she had passed away as they rolled the credits and played my song. And, and that's kind of when it hit me, like, you know, how important it is to talk about caregivers even more so because they take the brunt of it. The people that are sick, you know, obviously it's important, you know, that we love them and take care of them. But, uh, you know, they don't have to experience that loss, you know, that we do and suffer as much as we do as caregivers. So a big part of what I do is shine light on them. Well, I'm, I'm glad for that because even last week I had a interview uh, with someone whose husband had Lewy body dementia, which is second only to Alzheimer's, but only because it's so very, very difficult to diagnose and that they believe that many of the Alzheimer's cases out there today, there are people that actually have Lewy body dementia, but have not been diagnosed with that form because many doctors are not uh, trained to the point to actually see the true differences between the two. But, you know, dementia in this country is, I, I'm, it's almost to me where it's becoming too much of a silent epidemic. And, and I stand with you, Jay, that more and more research needs to be poured in to this to not only find better treatment, but in a way really start looking at things that we can do to hopefully prevent it. And uh, because it is detrimental, not just to the patient, but very much so to the families, like you have said. Yeah. You know, we have friends now uh, along the way I've learned there's, and, and unfortunately, uh, like, you know, everything in this world, there's equal good, you know, to bad, you know, and oh. No, no worries. We got post-production for that. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all good. You can go ahead and pick up from where you left off. Yeah, like anything, there's politics involved and, you know, there's people that are money hungry and, um, uh, you know, 
I, for, I literally lost my train of thought because of that. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, go, the, the, yeah, that, that's why we pre-record yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Where, where are we at again? Hit me well, back. Um, hold on a second. Let, let me let me find a break point here. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I actually asked you. Uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> with the fact that, okay, let me, let me start here. Uh, you know, more, you know, I agree with you, Jay, that more, you know, there needs to be more research done in the areas of dementia and not only for more and uh, better therapies and better treatment, but also to look at, you know, possible ways to uh, prevent dementia as we age. And because uh, this is not only going to help the patients, but it's also going to help the families, too. Yeah, you know, um, along the way, you know, we've made friends with a lot of people that, that have shared their stories with us. And, they're, you know, we've actually come across stories. And I know it's rare, and I think people may just not be brave enough to share their stories. But we have friends now that have proven that they've reversed their dementia. Uh, we actually made friends with a lady in Kansas City. I won't say her name right now because we're working on something behind the scenes. But... Um, she, she wants to, she wants to share that story. You know, the main thing, they're little things, you know, it's, um, nutrition, it's exercise, it's, um, mental brain and, you know, engagement, um, socializing. It's all these not using microwaves, believe it or not, like all these little things, she just did all of them. Um, and it reversed her dementia and she, you know, she's free and clear of it somehow by God's grace as well. Um, but she wants to share that story and we want to start sharing that story, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the world, um, you know, that are, you know, there's politics behind everything. People are money hungry and people out there make money off of uh, this disease, which sucks. And that's sad to say, but that's the facts. And they don't want us to share that story. So um, I actually have a goal. I'm working on a tour right now. And the theme is going to be called Night of Hope Tour, where we actually share this lady's story. And uh, our message is going to be there's actually ways that you can reverse um, dementia and Alzheimer's. It's not just going to be about raising money to, you know, find a cure, which I will always be a part of that. And I pray in our lifetime, we see that, but it's like, what can you actually do? You know, we have power in our hands to change the trajectory of the longevity of our life, you know? So let's do that and let's share that story. So. No, uh, I, I agree. And, you know, I have read, uh, research studies and it's, it's kind of strange that you and I are talking today about Alzheimer's because, my doctorate was actually in brain nutrition. And what a lot of people don't realize as people get older, those some people that are showing signs of dementia come to find out they don't actually have dementia. Uh, some that may be uh, wheelchair bound, some that may be uh, bound to a, a bed uh, and they don't move a lot. Sometimes an undiagnosed uh, urinary tract infection actually mimics dementia. So if the urinary tract infection is not taken care of in the elderly, they actually start showing signs of what most doctors would actually classify as dementia. But once that infection is cleared up, they don't have dementia anymore. <clears throat> so there is a lot of areas of the body. And I love the fact <clears throat> that here is someone that you met that focused on nutrition and exercise, things that she knew that she could do. And here she is with her, with her memory back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they call it a miracle, but uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, but 
I mean, you know the facts. You know, you, you're educated. You know, like, she just did the things, you know. And I think our culture, we don't, you know, we kind of live in a lazy culture where we don't really want to do those things. We just want to take a pill. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, sometimes that's the answer, but I think a lot of the times it's actually not. So, you know, watching, you know, my mother go through that, obviously, um, your parents, they're the center of your world or where you come from. And it, it completely wrecked me. And it, it's, it kind of, to the point, scared me to educate myself enough to realize I need to take care of myself. So I've applied those things to my life as well. You know, I try not to miss a day in the gym. I try to eat right and always, you know, even just playing chess every day or something to engage my brain. Songwriting engages my, my mind as well. So just to stay on my game and also, again, to share that with others as much as possible, I think is important. So, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I mean, one of the uh, one of the best things for the brain is actually learning music. Um, and you probably know uh, the story of Glenn Campbell, who passed away with Alzheimer's. But the very last thing that uh, he lost was actually the ability to play. The guitar. That was his last thing. So music has a very uh, powerful, uh, powerful effect on the brain. And uh, and even it doesn't matter what age you are. If people start uh, learning to play some type of musical instrument, uh, it actually starts to remap the brain and create new nerve pathways that will benefit them uh, as they get older. Yep. I remember his wife and daughter shared that story with me, and we're just all shocked. We do a, we do an event um, in Nashville with Kimberly Paisley, uh, the famous actress, and uh, uh, her husband is Brad Paisley. But she does an event in Nashville. It's actually coming up here in November, and uh, I got to meet uh, the Campbells through that, and what wonderful people and what journey they had been on as well. And, and now uh, he has a museum in Nashville downtown, you know, so his legacy lives on. But I thought that was an incredible story. There is such a power in music. Um, it is really that universal language. And I saw it impact uh, my mother and my family. You know, that's a big part of the story. How I was inspired to write Blank Stairs um, was my father brought her to Nashville. And uh, it was so shocking and jarring and uh, heart-wrenching to see my own mother look through me like I was a stranger. Um, you know, we have two options in life, fight or flight. I'm always fight, uh, but that day I was flight, and uh, we just I had to get out of there, escape that moment. We took her to a well-known venue in Nashville called the Cellar Saloon, and walked in. There was a band playing, and uh, she heard the music. And uh, you know, people that have most people who have dementia or Alzheimer's, at that point, their kind of eyes gloss over, and they're not really present. They're not really with you. And when my mother saw that band and heard that music, that changed. And she walked in, and she wanted to dance and be a part of it. So we started slow dancing to a fast song. And, I felt her take a deep breath. She leaned in and uh, I, she just goes, Jay, oh, I've missed you. It's so good to be here. I love you, son. And music did that. For a second, I had my mother back because of music. And uh, man, uh, I could, you know, I could talk Tom Blue in the face to try to prove that. Um, so I decided to show it. I brought my mother on stage when she was really sick in front of a big crowd, opening up for a big country artist. And we showed him, you know, and it was a beautiful moment. And, Thank God I did that because, like I said, we've gone on to do some beautiful things. But uh, man, uh, and, it, and are, have you been amazed by just God's hand upon you and His grace and giving you these multiple 
platforms to really not only just showcase your music, but to really showcase uh, and to bring a bigger light to the fight that it's going to take to improve treatments uh, and hopefully one day find a cure for Alzheimer's disease. I mean, you from the voice yeah, no, to the no. White House. Yeah, kind of, you know, just sometimes it, you know, for I think for a while it felt almost like a, to be completely human and honest, it felt like a burden. Um, like, you know, obviously I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to go to war against this disease on my mother's deathbed. I made that promise to her. Um, but like, why am I that guy? And it always felt pretty heavy for a long time until recently I decided, you know what, um, what an honor, you know to uh you know be at the forefront of this battle that so many people have to endure and so many people don't have a voice so um i'm gonna be that voice for them and i'm gonna continue to share that story and uh like i said i, I don't know you know I, I pray that we see a cure in our lifetime and you know generations to come don't have to experience this but uh even if i don't experience that in my lifetime you know i take great joy that i have the opportunity to help people through music and through my mother's story well, I, all I can tell you, Jay, is embrace, embrace it, embrace the fact that you are the vo that you are one of the voices uh, talking about Alzheimer's, and we congratulate you for that. And I know that right now you have a few brand new singles out. You mentioned one, "No Present Like the Time." Uh, what's the meaning behind that song? Yeah, so um, I touched base on this a little bit earlier, but when I was filming The Voice, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but they film it right outside of Hollywood in Burbank, California. And uh, during the filming pre-production process, they put all the contestants, artists, and singers up in a hotel. And uh, we actually, because of COVID on the West Coast, we weren't allowed to leave our rooms for more than 10 minutes per day unless we were filming. And uh, so for me, you know, guidance guy in his 30s, you know, grown man, engaged, planning a wedding. I'm like, I feel pretty trapped, you know, and it felt kind of miserable at first. And then I realized, man, what an opportunity to kind of like sort through things in my, in my mind and in my heart and what's happened the last few years. And I came to the recollection that I'd been pretty miserable. I've been a pretty miserable guy the last few years. Um, and uh, it, I, I feel like I kind of had an awakening where, you know, again, not preaching, but sharing my faith. If I do believe, I've, I've said it so many times, I'm not sure I believed it until I chose to believe that I have a mother in heaven. She went home, she's happier than I am. She's, you know, healthy and uh, youthful and all these things that I've been taught growing up once you go to heaven. If I believe that, she probably doesn't want me to be sad anymore. She probably wants me to be happy. So I just made that choice, you know, what are the, I started thinking, what are the lessons, the life lessons I took from the experience of loss? You know, and I thought about, man, so many times I get a phone call from my little sister or my dad or a friend at the end of the day, and I'm tired and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pick up and I don't. Well, how about I do from now on? So I do now. Um, you know, what if a good friend, you know, stabs you in the back? What if you just give him a first or second or third chance and learn how to forgive him and show grace? Um, what if someone invites you to be on a show like this, you know, with you, Dr. Ward? What if you just say yes immediately um so it, i you know i thought about this phrase there's no time like the present well in my mind i flipped it there's no present like the time time is such a gift 
Uh, we only get one spin around this rock, so how about we make the most out of it? So that's where that song came from, and I believe it has such a strong message, you know, and hopefully it, it reminds people that you only get one go, so just try to be a good person and live it up. So that it, song's It's a great out. song. It, I love that song. Thank you. Now, you have another song that I really, really like, and it... I think there's a very powerful message in this song called Halfway House. Uh, tells the story of a past love in your life that uh, you had to separate yourself from. Uh, how did that experience make you into who you are today? Yeah, so I, I honestly, that was another song I wrote that I, ne I never intended to release. Um, you know, I was thinking about what I wanted to release towards the end of the year. And uh, my my wife, Kylie Morgan, uh, she's a country artist as well, my best buddy, uh, my partner. Um, she is, this is why we work. She said, well, how about that Halfway House song? And I kind of laughed out loud. I thought she was kidding. And I was like, that's about my ex-wife. <laughs> she goes, I know, but it's a story that you need to share. It's part of your story. And, you know, you've seen that your life stories, if you share them, if you're brave enough, they help people. And so we put a little teaser on social media and the response and comments were so passionate. I knew I had to release it. And so I'm glad I did because I think there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, are trapped in relationships or they're not, you know, being given back the respect and love that they deserve that they're putting into that relationship. So another hard song to share, but I, I'm glad I did, you know, and uh, it's, it's not bashing my ex-wife. I, I truly think she's happy and I wish nothing but the best on her but that's part of the story that's now going on to you know if you get it I always say on every stage I don't care whether I'm in front of five people or 12,000 like I'm sharing this for the right people and the, I don't care how many people hear my music I care that the right people hear my music so well I, I love the, the right story people. yeah I love the story inside that song I mean uh, you know are you know are you just halfway into this relationship and um uh, it, it, to me, it has one of the best writer's hook that um, that I've heard in a very long time. And to me, oh. it's just got a hit. It's just got a it's a hit song re ready to, to explode on radio to me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's very kind of you. <laughs> and, I, and I love your other the, the uh, tattoos to heaven. Where did that come from? Yeah, so I mean, I'm the guy that's covered in tattoos. I uh, I always had this sense. It was a weird sense, even as a child, that I was gonna draw on myself. I don't. It just kind of, you know, was part of my destiny, I guess. And then it hit me, you know, okay, like everything I go through in life, big or small, I want to paint it on my body. So when I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror. I'm reminded of what God brought me through to make me who I am. You know, so that's what they are. They're, they're good moments and they're bad moments, but they're pivotal moments for me. And um, I now have about 130 hours of tattoos on me. And um, I wanted just to explain myself why I have these and the best way that I know how to explain myself is through song. Um, so I wrote this song called Tattoos to Heaven. And um, every morning when I go for a run, I just, that's my time to talk to God. And I was just like, man, if you could use this song, kind of cheesy, but Honest, if you could use this song to help just one one person, that's all I need. Please just let it help one person. Uh, we released it, and I got an email from a guy named Don Kasky. And his email said, Jay, you don't know me. I just heard your song, Tattoos to Heaven. I want to share my story. He said, I have stage four terminal kidney cancer. 
He said instead of, you know, basically getting all depressed and, you know, crawling up down inside of a hole and shutting everyone out, he decided, you know what, for the time that God gives me, I want to make an impact on the world and uh, I want to leave my mark. And so he quit his job of 30 years. He took his car and he started traveling across country and every town that he'd come into, he'd reach out to people and he'd ask if people would want to get a matching tattoo with him. So... Um, he at the point he reached out to me, he had like 279 matching tattoos with strangers all around the world. And so he had two questions. He said, number one, can I make tattoos to have in my theme song? So every time Don Caskey was on the news, my song Tattoos to Heaven would be playing in the background. And then uh, his second question was, uh, would you get a matching tattoo with me? So I said, heck yeah. And so brought him to Nashville. We got matching tattoos. And then he actually followed us to a show in Peoria, Illinois. I brought him on stage in this nice theater, shared our story and sang the song. And I pulled my shirt to the side to show off the tattoo and Don took off his entire shirt in front of the whole crowd. It was really funny and, uh, you know, we documented the whole thing and uh, Don and I became close friends and um, people, people.com picked up the story and shared it. And, um, you know, the la my last experience with Don was he actually came to our wedding in Fort Myers and... Um, he this is the type of person he was um he decided to, i was going to pay for his flight to come to the wedding but he decided to drive and he offered to bring all of our things even like all the alcohol and drive it all the way back to nashville that's that was just the type of person he was and that's the last time i saw him and uh you know like i, I just i think again music has music has an ability to change people's lives even if it's just one person that matters so that's what we're doing out here brother yeah, that's there's nothing better than having a, a strong fan base, and uh, you know, and I've talked to other recording artists, and and they and many of them tell me, uh, especially when after they're done with their set, is to stand there at the merch table and shake hands and thank every fan that comes by because, you know, that's what keeps them going. But at the same time, it's the stories that a lot of the fans share with the artist because music changes the world. I mean, it makes the world go around. It creates memories. And for you, uh, you actually covered a three doors down song, which I have to tell you, I think you did it better than they did. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> well, I, I had to listen to it a few times because I'm thinking, Wait a minute, wait a minute. So I had to go back and listen to the original cut. And then I came back to years and I'm like, nah, Jay actually did it better. But what was funny to me was as I was listening to it very, very closely, I was listening to your voice. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's this, I mean, you have a voice. Not only can you sing country, you got a voice that can literally sing rock because there's this slight, tone in your voice that reminds me of Daughtry. Mm. And when I hear this three doors, when you, and when I'm hearing you sing three doors down, I'm like, he could cover a Daughtry song and tear it up. <laughs> First of all, that's really kind of you. You're pulling my heartstrings right now. <laughs> uh, I actually uh, made friends with Daughtry a couple years back. He's actually an advocate for the National Alzheimer's Association as well. I believe he lost his grandmother. So he's done a few things. We met in Nashville and uh, he's a, we've kind of just kept in touch over the last few years and um, on the voice. 
Blake Shelton actually asked, or I think it was John actually asked me, you know, what, like, what, how do you define your sound? It's probably a question they ask a lot of artists. And I was like, man, I feel like it might be like Chris Daughtry mixed with Blake Shelton. And they liked that one. And Daughtry actually reached out and he heard that. <laughs> so, um, well, then, that, that uh, means I'm not deaf. That means I heard it. Deaf. Yeah, he, you know, and then he actually, like, he, uh, my little sister just had her 30th birthday and went to a Daughtry concert, and I reached out and let him know, and he, like, hung out with her and brought her backstage, and such a sweet guy, but, I mean, that's, rock and roll was, has been such an influence on me, and my dad has probably the coolest vinyl collection I've ever seen. He took me to uh, Kansas, opening up for Sticks when I was 10 years old. That was my first concert ever. You know, and so I, you know, I love, I love rock and roll and alternative rock and roll kind of doesn't exist anymore that like late nineties, mid to late nineties, early two thousands, you know, like, you know, Bush and three, uh, Matchbox 20, I actually just opened up for Matchbox 20 a couple of days ago, which was a dream. Um, but yeah, that's, they've, all those guys and, you know, my dad, they've had a big influence on me. And I think we're at the point now in music, in the music industry where genres are blending in such a way where you don't have to be defined by a genre. You just, you know, you define yourself by being authentic to how you want to share your gift, you know? And so that's what we're just trying to do is just be authentic. And I'm glad it's coming through, uh, finally. <laughs> so thank you. Well, are we ever going to say, if we were ever going to hear a duet between, uh, you and Daughtry? You know, it's funny you say that because my team actually just brought that up the other day. Uh, we were just in Beaver Creek, Colorado at an event and I played, you know, for some, important music industry people and they all brought that up so i'm kind of waiting for the right time i don't i don't want to make that big ass too soon but i think if we get a little love on country radio these next few months or next year that could definitely be something that would be possible and that would be awesome <laughs> hey I, hey well we're, we're just going to believe that that's going to happen now i understand uh were you actually the first recording artist to perform a concert inside the Capitol building? Yes. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that goes back to, you know, God just placing the right people around me uh, and his timing. Um, in uh, April, I was introduced to this lady, her name is Stacy Stavola, and uh, she's become my manager, really my partner in crime, and um, it begins and ends with her and I. She's actually here with me right now in Washington, D.C., and uh, for this Elizabeth Dole Foundation Gala. Um, but, uh, you know, she just believes that um, nothing's too big to accomplish, you know, like, so she just made it happen and uh she's taken relationships that we've created and turned them into just beautiful moments in time and so uh, that was another one with richard lou and uh where they wanted to showcase the film inside the u.s capitol and um we were invited to perform uh before and after the film and so um technically they said after afterwards i was approached and they said technically you were the first ever live concert um, artist to perform inside these walls, outside of um, the Star Spangled Banner. I was like, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> that's that is a very very big deal. I mean that 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 trumps ever singing the national anthem at a baseball game. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it, it means a lot to me. You know, uh, we've be, you know we've become really my best friends a marine. You know, so 
people that serve our country and the infrastructure of our government, you know, uh, uh, I don't take it lightly and I'm, I'm having to educate myself now more than ever because we're getting thrown into events like this. And like I said, we're in DC right now, you know, to honor uh, military caregivers, you know, so, um, man, it's so important to honor these men and women that sacrifice their lives and their families, you know, come second to their country, you know, so uh, it means a lot for me to be a part of this and to make my way into uh, being the future president of the United States. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'd probably get a bunch of votes for that, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Oh, man. That sounds, well, that sounds very stressful. <laughs> well, well, Jay, do you have any goals you wish to achieve uh, Wish to achieve, or anything on your bucket list? Yeah, you know, I think all of us have goals. You know, we have you know, but for me, I've gotten to the point, I think, you know, where I just have very, very high hopes and low expectations just because I know uh, the way that I envision how things are going to go, it's probably going to be completely different and the painting's going to turn out more beautiful though, you know, so um, I, I'm really pitching hard to, we've um, been creating a relationship with the Grand Old Opry, so um, I did watch my wife last year have her Opry debut, so we're pitching for that, trying to, you know, do it at the right time to, like I said, everything that I do, I don't want to be just about me. I want it to encompass other people. So we're trying to get in there soon, uh, hopefully wrap it around, you know, an event where we can give back towards a charity like the National Alzheimer's Association. So that's one of them, um, pitching for a spring tour. And then if we can get this song on country radio and chart it, um, like I said, it's not about making me famous. It's about how can I expand my audience to meet people where they are and help just that one person that needs it in that moment. So, um, again, that's what we're trying to do. We'll see where the Lord leads, but uh, I'm all in. So, and we can't hey. accomplish it. We can't accomplish it about without awesome humans well, like you. So, and sharing our stories. So, thank you, Doctor. Well, you're very, very welcome. And you know, all the Lord ever asks us to to do is to be ready, to be willing and to be available, and you're all three of those things. So I know that, uh, you know, as your popularity continues to, to rise and your star continues to shine brighter, uh, it's going to be helping a lot of people, not with just listening to your music, but also learning more about Alzheimer's and what we can do about that. And not only that, supporting the caregivers. And ladies and gentlemen, Jay Allen, he sings from the heart. He sings from life experience. And you feel every word and note in his songs. So do something for me. Even for Jay, head over to jallenofficial.com for his music, his tour dates. Check out his merch. And if he comes to your town, buy a ticket and go see him because you will be absolutely blessed. And his songs, wow. I'm, I've become a brand new fan. I mean, this guy has what it takes. He is, go he is going to be a, a, an absolute superstar. Not in country. I think he's going to be crossing over between country and rock and back and forth because, hey, that's what music's all about. And Jay, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time today and sharing us uh, your heart and your music. What a pleasure and a blessing. What a, a beautiful conversation. So your family now, you're in, brother. Thank you so much for having me. What a, what well, a you are welcome back 
any any time and uh with any future uh full lp and tour hey you got to come back here and we'll talk about it i'm in you say when i'm there all right and ladies and gentlemen also go online today look up the alzheimer's association and there are many other organizations out there working very hard to find a cure for this disease and if you know someone with alzheimer's reach out, show them some love, and not only that, help those who are caring for them as well. We cannot forget our caregivers out there because it is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job, and it's never-ending for some. So show them support and love and do what you can to be reaching out. Hey, isn't that what the Lord has taught us to do? To reach out, to bless others, to be a support? Because look, we're all in this together. And uh, so let's help one another. And again, let's thank Jay Allen for his amazing work and uh, shining a light on Alzheimer's and what we can all do together to help those that are dealing with the disease and again, for the caregivers. So today I want to thank you for watching and for listening. And as for me, I'll see you next time.